either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Welcome to another lightning round edition of the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com. We've got a Baker's Dozen 13 to talk about, so we're going to get into them. And that includes both theaters and VOD. And we will start uh, on Netflix. An agoraphobic woman living alone in New York begins spying on her new neighbors only to witness a disturbing act of violence. It's the woman in the window. I'm not crazy. I know what I saw. They're all hiding something. You will not never have my mother. Stop watching our house. The doctor said that your meds can cause hallucinations. I'm not hallucinating. I think there is somebody in my house. Don't go looking into other people's houses. Well, here's one where you and I agree with each other and disagree with everybody else. Boy, as soon as I started seeing some of the other, because there was a a late embargo on this. We weren't even allowed to post our review until, I think, Thursday night right at 7 o'clock. So we did that. And then as I started seeing one coming, I'm like, wow, people do not like this movie. We had a blast with it, but looking at it, Again, I can see how if you don't like the style, it's, this is going to be polarizing. Now, it's based on a book, a best-selling book. We did not read the book. But the more we thought about it, we liked this movie because it was style over substance. Yes. I mean, I think the plot points themselves are not that new. And I think there are a lot of the things that might have been guesswork you know, in the novel, perhaps, which you pretty much know where some of the surprises are coming. Not all of them, but most of them. But it, you know, right away, just from the description, you know, it sounds like Rear Window. Right. And they embrace that, you know, Joe Wright, the director, from the very opening scene. Right. In the first 30 seconds, you can tell. And they are all in about that. And I think that's the perfect way to go. That's what I loved about it. Yeah, there's a theatricality to the way that this film progresses that I just really, really enjoyed. Yeah, and it's uh, Amy Adams is great. as She is the, the main character, Anna, and she sees what she thinks is this murder out the window. And one of the things about her being uh, an agoraphobic is she's inside all the time and she watches a lot of old movies. Yep. So that's the device that's used to bring the old movies on screens. So we see them, we see what she's watching, and it's also, to me, it was a great device when her the the reliability of her narrative comes into question because she takes meds yep. and she maybe is hallucinating things. And then the fact that this is all constructed like a Hitchcock movie, I thought was perfect yeah. because it fell right in line with maybe she's imagining this whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I thought so. I mean, I really like, on the whole, I like the way Joe Wright directs yes, films. I think yes. he does a really lovely job. And there are a couple of moments that the film gets very decidedly theatrical, as in, like, stage play theatrical. Yes. And, of course, it was Tracy Letts, a Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright, who um, adapted the screenplay and shows up. He's got a small part as well. A, lo- a lot of it, we should mention, the cast is crazy. crazy. And most of these huge actors just have maybe one or two scenes. Yeah. We're talking Tracy Letts, Gary Oldman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Julianne Moore, Julianne Moore, Brian Tyree Henry, on and on. Uh, and on. A- Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. I mean, yeah, it's it's a fantastic cast, but... It's mainly led by Amy Adams. And again, can I say, by the way, that I really like Gary Oldman with white hair. He ought to just, I mean it. (laughs) I just thought, 
Woo, hubba hubba, Gary. <laughs> All right. Quite a silver fox. All right. But for me, there was a an awkward part where the first hour just clips right along. Yeah, it and does. it's just really moving. And then it where, where it shifts from sort of normal mystery Hitchcock into dark, maybe terror Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. There's about a 15-minute transition there that I thought was where the, the, the pulpiness of what I'm guessing the novel had started to show. That was a little bit of an um, awkward transition for me. But once it got there, once it got to the terrifying type of Hitchcock, I was back in. Yeah. And I, re- I, I understand, I guess, if you're not sort of like Mank, the people that didn't like Mank, and we loved it, if you, you didn't like the whole style, the whole vision of how they were telling that story, you were going to be out from, from the opening minutes. Same deal here. I, I'm still a little curious as to why it's getting so many negative reviews. We had a ball with it. Yeah. And it, it's on Netflix. And especially, I guess, if you like the uh, novel, I'd be interested to see how you think this uh, adaptation flies. And uh, we just thought it clipped right along about an hour and a half and just good, good fun. And it's on Netflix, The Woman in the Window. Let's move to a theater release. It is the ninth installment of the Saw franchise. A criminal mastermind unleashes a twisted form of justice. In the terrifying new chapter from the Book of Saw, this is Spiral. Jigsaw copycat. This is going to go sideways fast. Coming next, man, like a spiral. All available units, officer down. That was just a diversion to get us out of the precinct. Spiral, 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 spiral. I need everyone on this case. He could be anywhere. He could be anyone. We're going to tear this city apart. Hello, Detective Banks. One of the first things you notice here, Chris Rock is not only the star, he's also an executive producer. And they are bringing back the director who did... He's he's done some other installments of this franchise. Two, three, and four. Two, three, and four. So, I don't know what you think of the whole franchise. We are not huge fans of it. But I think even fans of the franchise, or I'm guessing you're fans of the puzzles and the the torture scenes like that, you're going to be disappointed. This is a terrible movie. It is a terrible movie. And we had high hopes. And I think it's because, you know, we thought, oh, there's a, you know, it's going to be an interesting new direction. They've changed the title. Look, it's Chris Rock. And, you know, just having named celebrities in the film, because also Sam Jackson is in it. Right. We were just eager, you know, to see it and, and, and hopeful. The opening few minutes, the opening torture puzzle sequence, I thought was pretty good and pretty bloody and grisly. Uh, after that, even... The puzzles just get watered down. They don't show a lot of them. But what just sinks this movie is, we've said it a couple times as we've been talking about this movie in various outlets, the copiest cops that ever copped on a cop show. Oh, my God. It's like they they just watched a bunch of cop shows and wrote every cliche you could possibly imagine. Don't you make me babysit a rookie. You know I work alone. You're off the rails. You're too close. Just over and over. And they tried to make it dark and gritty like (laughs) seven. It's... it's, It just it just it's become, so bad. It just becomes an almost borderline parody of cop shows. Yeah, it's it's so bad. And so if you like the saw, you know, angle of it, for example, if you like these puzzles where you can work against your own weakness to try to overcome, you sort of you know how in the in the earlier installments they he developed these 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 disciples. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what you're going to get here. I mean, you get some torture, you know, uh, devices, not very many. And some of them you have to go, 
and how right. did he have the time right. to set this up? And where did he? And why doesn't anybody ever look up how? <laughs> like, where did he get the machinery? They do that in seven. Yeah. They said, where could somebody construct this? You know, it's just so dumb. It's so dumb. And you know, the the director. Darren Hausman, he has done three installments. He also did, he's done some other horror films, Repo, the genetic opera. He's fairly middling. And the writers wrote the worst episode up till now. They wrote the last installment. So I don't know exactly why anybody was interested in making it, to be honest with you. I don't know, but I'm with you. I I had some hopes for it. I really did. And and Chris Rock's Rock's performance, I mean, it's, it's mainly dramatic, but he does get off some lines that you can almost here coming straight from a comedy monologue and I do think he's very funny but the, he's he's the least of this movie's problems. Yeah, but he's not very good. And he's not it's just not a good role for him. And I know that he's he's won serious acclaim for Fargo, for the TV series Fargo, which is primarily dramatic, although I feel confident there's probably some comedy to it. We've never seen it. But I mean, yeah. I know that he's gotten really great write-ups for his performances in that. But this is just not a good role for him. It's just not a good movie. Yeah, and I will say without giving anything away, I think where they wanted to take this, their heart was in the right place. I do. It just the the execution. Oh man, just copy cop shows, copping it up. Uh, <laughs> not good. Spiral in theaters. Next is one that's in theaters and on HBO Max. A teenage murder witness finds himself pursued by twin assassins in the Montana wilderness, with a survival expert tasked with protecting him and a forest fire threatening to consume them all. Those who wish me dead. My dad said. If anything happened, I should find someone I can trust. Are you someone I can trust? Those men, they came for your father. Did you see their faces? That's them. Give me something else to worry about. Take a deep breath. Hold it. Lay back. What happens next? You look it right in the eye. This one has a lot of buzz. People love this book. They love this book. I uh, like the title. Yeah, it is a great title. <laughs> a cool it title. really is. And you and I were excited. We did not read the book, but we like Taylor Sheridan, who directed and co-wrote along with the novel's author. Right. We had high hopes for those reasons. And I mean, on the whole, it's a good movie. It's a decent movie. I think my guess is that fans of the novel are going to be a little bit disappointed for one reason, among others, is that the lead character is no longer the lead character. In the book, the lead character is this little boy mm-hmm. and in the, who, um, who is uh, f- evading hitmen and winds up in a forest fire and, uh, and is helped out by a firefighter Hot named, shot. Hot shot, yeah. Hot shot named Han- Hannah. In the film, because Angelina Jolie is playing Hannah, Hannah is the lead character. And all the same elements are there, but the the focus is shifted. And it's mainly about her and her issues and her what is haunting her. Mm-hmm. She does a fine job, as she usually does. I mean, she's she's she does a fine job with a role that is sometimes a little bit overwritten. There's a little probably too much, you know, she's damaged goods <laughs> kind of a thing. She's yeah. got lessons to learn. You're there's, off the case. Exactly. There's a, <laughs> li- <we> go. <laughs> a little too much of that going on. But it not felt, nearly as much no, as, my God, no. <laughs> as Spiral. <laughs> but um, beyond that, I think the entire cast is really solid. John Bernthal is in it for uh, probably too little of a time. He's good. Nicholas Holt uh, is yeah. one of the assassins. Yeah, yeah, and Aiden Gillen is the other assassin. Great job. There's a, a Tyler Perry sighting. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a good job, too, in a very, very small scene. You know, it's it's just top to bottom. The cast 
cast is very good. I just think the movie, it just doesn't take off. You know what I mean? The fire sequences are pretty great. I just think and it's a perfectly competent, interesting movie. It just wasn't great. Mm -hmm. Those Who Wish Me Dead on HBO Max and theaters. This next one exclusively in theaters. Finley, a talented aspiring violinist, meets Beckett, a famous young movie star on the way to her college semester abroad program in a small coastal village in Ireland. It's Finding You. Finley Sinclair, you're actually not so bad when you decide to have some fun. You're not so bad yourself. But we don't even like each other. We're just too different. Definitely keep this from my parents. It's rather obvious. What planet do you think I live on? Written in these walls are the stories that I can explain. Do you even like being a movie star? There's the real packet. She doesn't understand our life. We should probably keep all this between you and me. I'm just trying to protect you. He's living two lives and he can't decide which one he wants. If you really care about him, don't get in the way. You just gotta trust me. I try. Well, if you listen to this podcast, you know how we love the young adult romance <laughs> fantasies. And that's exactly what this is, just as ridiculous as you might imagine. Though the, the Irish scenery is very nice. It's funny how many bad movies are set in Ireland right now. This has got to be like like the sixth week in a row where there has been one. <laughs> and when Finley, our hero, goes over and stays with a host family, her host sister is one of the girls from Dairy Girls. That's a great show. That is That's very, very cool. That's a hilarious show. But this, it's, it's directed by Brian Baugh, who has done almost exclusively faith-based films. And this feels like a faith-based film just because it's preaching exclusively to one choir, right. and that's it. The story is ridiculous and contrived, but all that matters is the people that love this type of thing. This is based on a book as well. Uh, the people maybe that love the book and love this type of story and the specialness of this young girl <laughs> and how she can come over to Ireland and waltz in, step dance in, and take care and, and, and meet this young heartthrob while he works on a movie and then heal this decades-long feud between these two Irish sisters and uh, and get some musical lessons from this hobo who knows how to play the violin. <laughs> I mean, it just goes on and on and on, and it's totally ridiculous. And it starts with the fact, here's the first clue, on her flight over from New York to Ireland, she gets offered by a flight attendant a spare seat, an open seat in first class. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had to stop it for laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, she goes over there with the expressed intention of studying abroad, and she goes to class exactly one day. You know what it does do, though? The movie star character is over in Ireland to film the latest installment of his dragon movie franchise, and it actually scores a few points doing some wink-winks at the franchises that feature all these dragons. And if it only could have had some of that same self-awareness for its own type of genre, right. then we might be going somewhere, but it has none. But you know where I'm going. If you love these type of movies, you'll love it. it but it's totally ridiculous and forgettable. It's as forgettable as the title, Finding You. Let's move on. Next is a movie with four stories that are variations on the crucial themes of moral strength and the death penalty that ask to what extent individual freedom can be expressed under a despotic regime and its seemingly inescapable threats. This is called There Is No Evil. This is a, an Iranian anthology by director Mohammad Rasaloof. Boy, it's so impressive. And you, you say anthology most of the time in an anthology. 
all the short films are from different filmmakers. Right. This one is so impressive. It's all from the same writer-director taking different angles to explore the same theme, and that is the death penalty, and specifically Iran's policy of requiring military service for two years of the men in Iran, and when they're f- fulfilling that uh, mandate, they may be asked to be an executioner, actually put people to death. And these stories examine that and the effects of that from all these different angles that eventually interlock in different ways. I don't even want to come close to spoiling any of it because it will spoil the power of this movie, but it it is gripping. Obviously not the feel-good movie of the year at all, but it is so, so impressive. And the, the four films are about 45 minutes each. It runs about two and a half hours total, but it is so, so worth it. And I'll just tell you the first segment. The first segment just all lulls you to sleep with just this Iranian family going about these mundane daily activities, and then it drops a hammer at the end, and boy, it has your attention, and it does not let it go. So you can catch this at various virtual cinemas around the country. Including uh, Gateway Film Center at gatewayfilmcenter.org. Yes, a big recommendation for There Is No Evil. Let's go back to Netflix. They're having a good week. This is a woman waking up in a cryogenic chamber with no recollection of how she got there. As she's running out of oxygen, she must rebuild her memory to find a way out of her nightmare. It's called Oxygen. Interruption. Niveau d'oxygène approchant du seuil critique. It's called No, 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 no. Guess who watched this one? I did. That's right. And, uh, well, you were interested because of the director. Yeah, but I'm claustrophobic, and I can't make it through the trailer for this. But I do love, I'm a very big fan of, of Alexander Aha, French director, who's done a lot of great horror films. Yeah, and he does a great job with this, and the writer, Christy LeBlanc, has come up with a great idea here. Yeah, it's pretty much a one-woman show, Melanie Laurent, who's great, and this is a French film. And it will remind, if anybody that saw that Ryan Reynolds buried thing, it will remind you a lot of that, a lot, a lot of that for a while because she just wakes up. Yeah, she's in this cryogenic chamber, and then she has to figure out, and she has no memory. She has to figure out who she is, why she's there, how she can get out. Now, the big helping hand here is she's got um, a computer, kind of a mother thing, like from Alien, uh, called Milo that can answer her questions and help her out, and, and that goes a long way toward putting this mystery together. But it's really well done. It goes places that you're probably not going to expect, and uh, it, it's got a nice pace to it as well. It's only about an hour and a half long, and it's not... There is one good scare in it, but I wouldn't call it a horror movie. This is sci-fi. This is definitely sci-fi, but it, it's really worthwhile, especially for uh, Melanie Laurent's performance and the inventive way they take this idea that's been done before and take it in a very interesting place. So, again, there's another one. I don't even want to come close to spoiling, but there's another good one this week for Netflix called Oxygen. Next is a horror comedy about Jack, a man desperate to improve his life, throwing away his beloved childhood plush named Benny. It's a move that has disastrous consequences when Benny springs to life with deadly intentions. Benny loves you. Can't be bargained with. Can't be reasoned with. He doesn't feel pity or remorse. He absolutely will not stop until you are dead. What's this got to do with me? Do you want another cuppa? Come on, then.
Jack. He's just a teddy. Killer toys. We're all in. We are. We are. <laughs> and, that, you know, it's funny. It's funny in the way that they make, because it's a very innocuous toy. It's not like it's Annabelle or something. It's just, it's almost like an Elmo, to be honest with you, uh, with a knife or some nunchucks or, you know, a throwing star, which is pretty <laughs> funny. You know, it's got a great little high-pitched voice. Uh, it, it looks incredibly harmless. And it's the toy of the stunted adolescent, this this 35-year-old man who just celebrated his birthday He's not getting a promotion. He's a toy designer at this big firm, and there's this colossal tit named Richard. <laughs> That's what he calls him. Anyway. Uh, I don't know when the last time I heard someone call someone else a tit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, there are a lot of weird moments that I make me wonder when this was actually filmed, because Richard, for example, has a preoccupation with Prince, the artist. Yeah, that and, was very... Uh, which is fine. I mean, I have a... But it, yeah. The, but he talks about him as if, A, he's still alive, which makes me wonder when this was filmed originally, and B, as well, if we don't all love him. And right. I think it's not like, as we said, it's not like he's ready for the world. It's <laughs> Prince. Everybody yeah, loves he's Prince. Kinda, he's kind of acted like he's had to fight people who, who say that Prince sucks. Yeah. But which, who, no one no says one, that. No one's <laughs> ever said that. Anyway, that's a sidetrack. The point is, it's a, I mean, it's a pretty lazily constructed movie. It's lighthearted to a certain degree. There's a lot of carnage, but it's usually kind of definitely humorous. There's a, I was surprised by, there's a violence act against a dog. And if I know, I know so many people right. who don't watch it, if you have even right. the slightest, because it bugged me, and that doesn't usually bother me, although mm-hmm. we do love dogs. Anyway, well, that's, point no, that's, is, that's good to point out. That's good to point out. It's fun. It's not brilliant. It's very throwaway and forgettable, but it's a fun waste of 90 minutes. And <laughs> that's on the VOD right now. Benny loves you. Let's go back to a theater release. An undercover British journalist infiltrates the online propaganda channels of the so-called Islamic State, only to be sucked in by her recruiter. It's Profile. Hey, baby. What are you looking at? Nothing. I'm looking at you. You wouldn't lie to me, would you? Baby, I, I bought the ticket. I'm coming. This has gone far enough. I'm reeling him in. Who's there with you? No, you say you are. What? My God, I'm staring my screen. <laughs> He's a terrorist. Oh, my God. Delete your account. I need to make sure there's a connection so I know where he is, if he's behind my door. Amy, what's going on? I'm going to treat you like a queen. Boy, talk about a fast-moving movie. Yeah, this is one that's been floating around. I think it first hit the festivals a few years ago. This is the latest from director, uh, co-writer and director Timur Bekmambatov. Hope I pronounced that right. Among other things, he did uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Right. So a little more realistic here, especially <laughs> when you judge it against the other. This is the, the latest in um, in the uh, com- real-time computer screen movies. Right. Okay. Like Which, Searching from a couple of years yeah, ago. Or, yeah, or The Unfriended. Or Every, hosts Everything happens on a, the screen is nothing but computer screens. Which is kind of funny to me that it's coming out in theaters because... I saw it on a computer screen, and I think that just adds to it. Right. You know? <laughs> Watching it on a big screen might might kind of have you detached a little bit. But it's really effective. It really is. Especially driven by these these two performances. Valene Kane plays Amy, the, the journalist who's taken on a different identity online to try to uh, bring out this recruiter, this uh, radical Islamic recruiter played by Shazad Latif. He is fantastic. And yeah. As you might guess, she gets in way over her head. She's working on this story that uh, first her her editor really wants, and then the editor, uh, her her boyfriend, her friends, all say, "You got to get out of this. You are in too deep." And of course, she doesn't. And uh, yes, it takes some leaps. Yes, there are some decisions made, especially by the editor. They're like, "Really? 
But boy, if you hang with it till the end, it's it's gripping, and it really when you stop to think, it is based on not one specific event, but based on a number of stories about European women that were recruited online and went over to join ISIS and, and then tried to come back uh, and regretted their decision. It's it's pretty scary, not only because of those situations, but it's just another reminder of how small the world has gotten. Yeah with being wired into everything. It's chillingly so. So it's it's well done, and it's in theaters. But it might even be more effective on your computer screen once it comes out uh, for a VOD. This is called Profile. Yeah, I liked it. Back to VOD for the story of a mute boy trapped in his apartment with a sinister monster when he makes a wish to fulfill his heart's greatest desire. This is called The Djinn. We start thinking about the things we're missing. We forget about the things we have. Now I've got to take a shower before bed. I'll be home before you get up. And if you want to look this up, it's it's spelled D-J-I-N-N. It is a particular type of uh, supernatural being that doesn't get enough horror films made out of it, although uh-huh. the very best and all-time best forever will be Under the Shadows. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Oh, that's so a, good. That's a gin. So good. And in this case, I think what makes this movie particularly effective is how much they do with so little. It's basically one setting. It's one apartment. It's basically one person. There are a couple of actors who pop in and out, but they are just apparitions of this demon that this little boy, who is mute... Has conjured, so he doesn't even have benefit of, of dialogue. You know, it's it is impressive what the the way they work your imagination and the way they make the best use of what is available at the time and in the apartment. It is very effective, creepy. You know, practical effects laid in, haunted house kind of a movie. I liked it. Yeah, co-writers, co-directors David Charbonnet and Justin Powell doing a lot with a little. We like it. Another VOD release next in a bid to save the last of his family. Goodjuck, a young Aboriginal man, teams up with ex-soldier Travis to track down Bewara, the most dangerous warrior in the territory, his uncle. It's called High Ground. You stand for justice? Absolutely. Then you give us justice for the man who killed my family. You know how civilizations built something? Bad men doing bad things. Bad men like me and you. What are you doing? You lied. Say it. Whatever made you think you could change who you are. Brandon Thomas reviewed this one for us at Mad Wolf, and he loved it. And if you are a fan of Aussie Westerns, and if you're not, why not? This is another one that you're going to enjoy. And you'll recognize uh, one of the main actors, Simon Baker. He's been uh, in movies. He's done a lot of TV Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And Brandon thought he was the best he's ever been. Yeah, and it's a great movie uh, in the way that, you know, I mean, you should gird your loins if you're not prepared for an Aussie Western. If you love the proposition... And you should, if you love, this is not nearly as difficult to get through, but also it makes you think of something like The Nightingale, Mm -hmm. because it's telling a similar story about colonization in Australia and the horrific results of that. So be prepared for that going in. Yeah, and not shying away from 
the history right. that Australia has. Or the violence, but at the same right. time, unlike many Westerns, it in no way glorifies the violence. It doesn't make it seem cool or like it's being delivered by the cool guy. <laughs> right. So uh, the full review for High Ground, you can find it at madwolf.com by Brandon Thomas. But he recommends it on VOD right now. Another VOD horror thriller next. A young woman is held captive in an underground medical facility where selected individuals are perpetually mutilated and then healed using a secret antidote. It's called Antidote. Where am I? Some kind of program. They burned me alive. We have to find a way out. You have no idea what they're capable of. being honest with me and tell me what is going on around here. This is one, even you can tell the synopsis, if that's going to appeal to you, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people are hearing that synopsis and going, no, thank you. So we're really talking now just to the people to whom that synopsis appeals. This is not very good. This is a movie that I would watch. This is a synopsis that would suck me in. And the, the execution just is really not there. Yeah, and it's on VOD. Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us if you want to catch her complete review on madwolf.com. And we'll close with another film that does a lot with very little. Sean and Eric are just two bumbling screenwriters drafting the next big action flick, utterly oblivious to the insanity that awaits when the government intercepts their script, believing it to be a real terrorist plot. This is called In Action. They set out to write an epic action script. A cop who's hard to kill finds himself marked for death. Super rush hour gets into a rumble in the Bronx and it's no more of a justice nice against the crew that killed his partner. Send. Little did they know the insanity that awaits when their screenplay is mistaken for an actual terrorist plot. This is just a big misunderstanding, okay? What you read, it was a movie. Uncover a giant conspiracy. Now, Sean and Eric must fight to escape, becoming real-life action heroes. The co-writers, co-directors here are Sean Keneally and Eric Silvera, and Christy Robb reviewed this for us on MadWolf.com, and she thought it was a ball, particularly how well it did with how little it had to work with. Uh, yeah, I think one of the things it does is capitalize on the fact that you and they know they're making this movie for no money, and it's about a couple <laughs> of bumbling screenwriters, and so it, it has the, you know, it just embraces this feel that it develops very early on, and it actually winds up making an incredibly engaging action film in the process. Yeah, so, and that's, it's two words, in action, out on VOD, and you can check out Christie's full review at madwolf.com. Oh, almost forgot one, because we saw it some time ago at Nightmares Film Festival. After escaping abduction, a frantic woman must coerce an exhausted truck driver to hide in the back of her truck for the night. The two women take refuge, not knowing what the rest of the night has in store. It's goodbye, honey. Do you mind filling me in on what's actually going on? It all happened so fast. I, I'd rather die than go back there. We need real help. Light out. Light out! No one is coming for you! I can't go back. 
Yeah, we first saw this at Nightmares Film Festival, by the way, which is coming up again in October. Love to see you here in Columbus, Ohio. But uh, glad that this is getting a full release now on uh, Prime Video. And it's a lot of fun. It's co-writer and director Max Strand. And he really tweaks tensions about an isolated location that brings out some you know, violent loonies. And uh, there's a strong, smart performance in the lead by Juliet Alice Gobin that really propels this as well. Nimble screenplay, uh, twists and turns in ways that are unexpected, but at the same time reasonable. So uh, give this one a look. It's a tight, tight set of smart thrills out now on Prime Video called Goodbye, Honey. And that's 13. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Back in the lobby, checking in with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, for all the latest moving and shaking on release dates and studio news. What are you hearing? Well, Netflix will release the Sony animated film Wish Dragon on June 11th. Edgar Wright's documentary The Sparks Brothers will arrive in theaters on June 18th. Shudder will premiere Candisha on July 22nd, and that's the latest horror film from the Inside directors Alexander Bastillo and Julian Moray. Oh, so it'll be a nice, light-hearted comedy. Oh, naturally. <laughs> uh, Sony's moved up the release of Hotel Transylvania 4 Transformania, or Transformia, I mean, on July 23rd. Universal's Focus Features will release the Matt Damon drama Stillwater on July 30th, and I believe that one comes from uh, spotlight filmmaker Tom McCarthy. Yeah, yep. So hopefully that'll be good. Disney has decreed that their Dwayne Johnson adventure movie, Jungle Cruise, which has been bouncing around for the past year and a half, um, it's getting a dual theatrical and Disney Plus premiere release, and that's on July 30th. Um, so, you know, some families want a cheaper option to stay home and only pay $30 instead of shelling out around 100 depending on how many kids they have. Right, exactly that, right. That, that, might not, that might be a good way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, IFC will put out the indie thriller We Need to Do Something on VOD come September 3rd. Focus Features is releasing Paul Schrader's Oscar Isaac revenge thriller The Card Counter on September 10th. And then we've got two bigger news outside of release dates this week. Uh, the first is that NBC has canceled the 2022 Golden Globes broadcast due to all the problems that the Hollywood Forum Press Association has been having of late. Yes. I guess they will resume showing the ceremony in 2023, but as of right now, no one will be broadcasting it next year if they even have it. Mm -hmm. That, uh, as they say, that escalated quickly. Very, very, very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> You've got, uh, what, stars turning their uh, yeah. awards back in and all kinds of stuff. Yep. On a more positive front, the uh, other news of the week is Disney has cut a post-2021 deal with the theatrical exhibitors. Just like Universal, Warner Brothers, and Paramount, they're going to be agreeing to the shortened 45-day window between theatrical premiere and VOD or streaming release. And apparently Sony is expected to follow suit in the coming weeks. So that's almost finally ironed out completely. <laughs> almost beginning <laughs> to finally iron out, right. All right, and you can always check in with the latest news uh, by finding The Schlocketeer on Twitter. Thank you, man. Hey, thanks. We're looking ahead to next week. We might do 13 or maybe even more. Going to be another busy week, led by Army of the Dead. We're looking forward to that. And also Riders of Justice. Looking forward to that one. Psycho Gorman. Now, we watched this a few weeks ago, but uh, we're looking forward to talking about that. It was a blast. It was. The Dry. Blast Beat. Drunk Bus. Final Account. Howard Original. Seance. 
Sound of Violence, Retreat, and This World Alone. Okay, will that be all? I doubt it. There'll probably be more. <laughs> there usually are. In the meantime, let us know what you thought about anything this week, especially I'm really interested in the reactions to the woman in the window. Yeah. Because we haven't been this out of step with almost every other critic in a while. No, it's been uh, a long time. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you agree with me or else I would have thought it was me. <laughs> <laughs> but we enjoyed it. So let us know or about any of the movies this week. We always love to keep the conversation going. On Twitter, you can find us at Mad Wolf, also on Facebook and Instagram. It is Mad Wolf Columbus in the main website with all of our written reviews uh, by the two of us and everybody on the Mad Wolf team. That's at uh, MadWolf.com. Plus, you can find our other horror movie only podcast called Fright Club which is all there as well. So we hope to hear from you in the meantime. Till next week, hope you're doing well. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>